At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Santa. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Charlotte Hornets. Rob Longo with you today following Charlotte's loss in our nation's capital last night, 98-92. Yes, it is sadly a silver linings edition of the HHC. It's the 10th straight consecutive loss that the Hornets have had in preseason, dating back to the 2021-2022 campaign. We'll have more on that here in a few moments. But again, a similar storyline, a similar game, quite frankly, to what the Hornets had Tuesday in Miami where the starters outplayed Miami starters, ran up the score a little bit, and then the back end of the bench and some of these guys that are fighting for some roster spots and some rotational minutes just couldn't close the deal as Charlotte was outscored 35-17 to in the fourth quarter alone, led this one by as many as 18. So we'll go ahead and talk about the uh, effect and the impact that the starters had. And we had a little bit of a change in the starting lineup as well as Brandon Miller got the start to replace Gordon Hayward, who did not suit up last night due to right foot discomfort. We'll talk about Brandon Miller at length, too, and we will talk about the latest roster moves that the Hornets have had over the last couple of days. And helping me out with all of these topics on today's edition of the HHC, it's the one and only lead writer of Hornets.com, Sam Perley. Sam, thank you for joining me today on the Hornets Hivecast once again. Of course. I'm always happy to be on. Thank you again for having me. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. I gave a little bit of a synopsis there of the game in terms of just how this one shook out. I mean, quite frankly, the Hornets kind of dominated this one. I was talking to Sam Farber in between breaks on the broadcast last night and it just I told him straight up I said this just feels like it shouldn't be a close game it just felt like the Hornets were around seven or eight points leading this one throughout the second quarter throughout the third quarter and just couldn't quite put Washington away to backtrack a little bit let's go back to that first quarter Washington scored the first bucket of the game and that was the only lead that the Wizards had until about the 250 mark of the or three minute mark, I should say, of the fourth quarter because the Hornets ripped off a 14 to nothing run in the first. 3-15 of the contest. They started a game 3-5 of five from beyond the arc, got really cold and went all the way down to 3-16 of 16 shooting from three-point land in the first half alone, but Charlotte still led this one by 7 after 12 minutes of play. Terry Rozier had a 9-point quarter. Kyle Kuzma had 12 points in the first quarter for the Wizards. He finished with 16 points in the first half. He finished with 19. That ended up being a game high. LaMelo Ball played some limited minutes, only played about 15 last night, but was effective in those minutes he finishes the game with 12.7 rebounds four of 11 shooting one for four beyond the arc he hit three out of his four free throws as well Terry Rozier had 11 points in the first half Charlotte led this one 52 to 45 after two quarters of play outscored the Wizards 23 to 18 in the third quarter led this one by as many as 12 going into the fourth frame and then like I mentioned just kind of fell apart a little bit in the fourth quarter 35 to 17 they got outscored turned the ball over nine times alone 
in that final stanza as Washington just got hot from the field, shot 41% from the field, 10-10 at the free throw line alone in the fourth quarter as the Hornets on the other side, 31% shooting from the field in that fourth frame, one of five from beyond the arc and six of eight from the free throw line just couldn't quite get the job done. But again, the focus for the majority of the game was on the starters and for good reason. And here's what head coach Steve Clifford said after the game about the job that the starters did. I mean, we actually, for three quarters, we did good things. Um, You know, look, the guys at the end struggled, but you know, they've been working hard in practice. I don't want to play those other guys any more minutes right now. We don't want to take an injury. And, and it's good for those guys to be out there and play like that. So, you know, these are exhibition games, and I think we did a lot more good than bad. I completely agree, Sam. I couldn't set it better myself. I think that pretty much just summarizes it right up. Because, again, it's preseason. You're looking at these guys that are going to see the heavy majority minutes and that's what the starting five was last night, and that's what they were able to accomplish. Every single player was a positive in the plus-minus, and overwhelmingly, for the most part, for the Hornets. You take a look at it, LaMelo Ball, plus 17 out there in only just 15 minutes. Brandon Miller got the start, plus 13. P.J. Washington, plus 7. Mark Williams, plus 6. The lowest guy was Terry Rozier. He had the majority of the minutes. He played 27 minutes last night, and he was a plus 5, and that was the lowest out of all five starters. So anytime that your starters are able to win against the other team's starters, it's usually a recipe for success. You hit the nail on the head, too. These first two preseason games have uh, played out kind of crazy similar for the Hornets, you know, starters and, and kind of the top end of the rotational guys kind of get a nice lead. I think they were up nine with about early in the fourth quarter in Miami. This one, they had a 15 point lead uh, with about nine minutes to go. And then once you empty the benches a little bit in preseason and things start to kind of get a little crazy and you can't read too much into these last few minutes, obviously it would have been nice to finish off this win or finish off that one in Miami. But I think the big picture is you look at how well the starters have played. You looked at um, you know, some of the flashes you've seen from guys that haven't played or, you know, are coming back from injuries like LaMelo, like Mark. So overall, I think it was really encouraging stuff. And I think you saw some improvements this game. Uh, again, the shooting is a little off a little bit right now, but I think that's kind of be the case with everybody in preseason. You kind of try and find that that rhythm and that flow. But the thing I was really impressed with in this one, and you might have mentioned it too, was the rebounding. I mean, the Hornets just really, really took advantage of the Wizards on the glass. 66-48 rebounding differential. I don't think they gave up an offensive rebound until the like 10-40 mark of the third quarter. I mean, that was really, really good. And that's the kind of stuff. I mean, you can get open shots. If you don't drop them, that's fine. But you can control the rebound, you can control the physicality, you can control sort of those effort plays. And that's the thing that really stood out for me is the Hornets rebounding in this one is really, really impressive. PJ, Mark, Nick all had double-digit rebounds. So uh, overall, you know, obviously it would have been great to get a win, like I said, but you got to be pretty happy with how the Hornets looked in this one. Yeah, I completely forgot about the rebounding margin, to be honest with you. And I'm taking a look at the box score right now because the point I wanted to bring up was just a comparison from the first half to the second half. But to build off of that rebounding point, you're absolutely right. And it's even more astounding when you look at it in a little bit of a vacuum because in that first half, yeah, the Wizards did not have an offensive rebound. Charlotte had 13 in the first half alone. So, I mean, that was just something that really, really stood out to me. A lot of second-chance points opportunities as well. And again, they led it by as many as 14 in the first half. But when you take a look at it across the board, from a team standpoint, Charlotte in the first half, about 37% from the field, Again, did not shoot the three ball well. Three of 16 from beyond York. Just got to the free throw line 10 times, 7 of 10. And they turned the ball over 
eight times. So pretty solid numbers for the most part when you take a look at that first half. Now when you go to the second half, again, starters played a little bit there in the third quarter, but for the majority, it was the back end of the rotation. And in that second half, in fact, shot pretty solid, about 38%, 3 of 14 from beyond the arc, and then 9 of 14 at the free throw line. But the turnovers were the killer. They had 15 turnovers in that second half alone. So anytime you turn the ball over 20-plus times, it's not a recipe for success by any stretch of the imagination. But the 15 alone in that second half, and like I said, in the fourth quarter, there were 9 turnovers. There were 10, in fact. They ended up adding one somewhere down the stretch. So just a poor fourth quarter is really what ended up in this result. And again, I understand that it's frustrating when you have a team that loses 10 times in a row in a preseason, but at the same time, yeah, it would be great to win one, but you got to kind of look at it in a vacuum, look and see who was out there on the floor at that specific time of the game, what was the situation. And again, unfortunate that the back end of the rotation, these guys that are fighting to make the team or even just have some rotational minutes weren't able to shut the door against Washington, but you got to kind of match that desperation a little bit because, again, what Washington had on the floor towards the end of the game was a similar situation. They had Mike Muscala out there that they got in the offseason from Boston, but other than that, they had guys out there that are fighting for roster spots themselves. So you got to match the intensity with the other side, and you're playing for something. Again, if you're a guy that's getting minutes here towards the end of a preseason game, you got to make them count because you don't know how many more minutes you're going to have. So again, a little disappointing in that sense, but at the same time, you got to look at it kind of in the wider lens just to see what the entire situation was and why the Hornets lost this one 98-92 last night. Time now for our silver linings. A lot of good, a lot of really good stuff from the starters. I can't overstate that a whole lot. So we'll go ahead and pick one player from this game, Sam, to see who our silver lining performances was. We're going to talk about Brandon Miller a little bit later on. I will still leave him off the table. I'm not going to say you can't take Brandon Miller, but all in all, who was your silver lining performance from last night's game? Well, just so we don't double up and talk twice as much about Brandon Miller, which is very easy to do with how well he's looked so far. The guy that kind of stood out to me a little bit was Nick Richards. I think he had a little bit of a slow start down in that Miami game got better as the game got going and this one finished with nine points on three of six shooting had four offensive rebounds eight defensive rebounds for a game high 12 rebounds had a block just two fouls I know that's an area that he's kind of been focusing on this year had no turnovers I mean he just you know, th- this Wizards team is obviously much different than what we've seen. There's no more Kristaps Porzingis, no more Bradley Beal, Monte Morris is gone, Denny Avdia was hurt, they got a couple guys sitting out, so they don't have a ton of size. I mean, they have Daniel Gafford, who I think maybe had one rebound at half, and then after that, it's Danilo Gallinari, who sat out all of last season uh, with a torn ACL. They have Mike Muscala. I mean, they don't have sort of the prototypical kind of big center that can match up with Mark and Nick, and um, Mark was obviously spent most of his time kind of around Gafford, but I was really impressed with not only how Nick played, but Nick taking advantage of a matchup differential. I mean, he had a matchup advantage on Danilo Gallinari when they put him at the five, and Nick took control. That's what you want to see when teams have to downsize because of foul trouble or rosters and things like that. You want to see your guy win that matchup, and I thought Nick Richards did last night against the Wizards in off the bench in that you know front court area. Smith into the paint looking for Richards off his hand. Goes to McGowan. He leaves it for Nick Richards who will rock the rim. A two-handed Dr. Pepper dunk to make it a 12-point Hornets lead. Timeout Washington. 
I'll be honest, I did not have Nick Richards on my bingo card in terms of silver lining performances, but it's very warranted. I thought he played really well. Like you mentioned, a little bit of a slow start there in that first half, but when he got that mismatch there in the second half, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was curtains, but it seemed like he was definitely on the up and up. Nine points, 12 boards like you talked about, efficient from the field, three for six shooting, 19 minutes out there. Nick Richards certainly worthy of a silver lining performance. For me, I got to go back and I got to take a look at the starters. Yeah, I would really love to talk about Brandon Miller, of course, but some of the other guys out there, for me, I think I have to go with P.J. Washington, just been so consistent over these first couple of preseason games. Passes off to Miller. He'll go one more. Terry Rozier cuts to the cup, leaves it. P.J. Washington, he'll rise, lays it in, count it, and a foul. Hoop and the harm, and P.J. Washington and the Hornets are rolling right now. A 10-0 run with 9-0-4 left in the first quarter. P.J.'s just been so consistent, like I said, over these first couple of preseason games. 11 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double last night. Was 0-4 for 4 from beyond the arc, but 4-13 shooting, 3-5 for 5 at the free-throw line. Couple of blocks in there, also had an assist, had a steal. He was my defensive player of the game, the way he was able to lock it down defensively last night. So PJ Washington gets a tip of the cap for my silver lining performance. But again, I think it just can't be overstated enough how good this starting five has looked through the first two preseason games, even though there's been some changes in the starting five, but we'll get into a little bit here later, Sam. But again, can't overstate what this starting five has looked because I mentioned this to Sam Farber on the broadcaster at halftime last night is, quite frankly, we haven't seen this starting five in almost over a season. We haven't seen camaraderie. We haven't seen chemistry just because of all the injuries. So it's just really, really nice to see five guys out there that are all on the same page that you don't have to worry about injuries. Yeah, and to add something on to uh, definitely agree there, you know, it's good to see how the starting five is kind of coming together, especially given the sort of lack of experience or I guess lack of minutes they all got collectively last year because of the injuries and because you got new guys and such. But uh, one more quick thing on P.J. Washington. I know one of his points of emphasis he said on media day coming into the season was getting his rebounding numbers up. I think that's something that, you know, he, he admitted that, you know, he needed to improve upon on last year, especially if you're going to be playing at that four spot or backup five spot or something like that. So uh, to have double-digit rebounds in this game, like you said, the double-double, he had three double-digit rebounding games all of last year uh, and has one here in the preseason playing limited minutes. So if you looked at, and I didn't go back and track every single one of his 10 rebounds, but some of the ones I can think of at the top of his head, I mean, he's going to get the ball. He's he's boxing out guys. He's, he's coming down with it. You know, it, it's not just a loose ball that nobody else is around. He's grabbing. I mean, he had a handful of bringing down a few 50-50 balls, contested rebounds. So really impressive by P.J. Washington on the glass. He was a big reason why the Hornets dominated that area last night. Again, Hornets fall in our nation's capital last night, 98-92. to Next chance up on Sunday against the Oklahoma City Thunder at home. Be sure to get your tickets at Hornets.com or through the Hornets app. Should be a good one against OKC, a team that has just so much young, raw talent. It'll be a good matchup to see guys like Chet Holmgren for the first time since he did not play last year, so he's still technically eligible, of course, for that Rookie of the Year award, albeit he plays enough games, of course. But again, so much young talent. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren, I can go on and on. One of the five Jalen Williamses that they have on that roster should be a good game. Get your tickets at Hornets.com. We'll have a podcast preview of that for you here in the coming days as well. But coming up next, want to talk more about Brandon Miller. He's worthy of the buzz. We're going to talk about that why next here on the HHC. 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Rob Longo and Sam Proley, the lead writer of Hornets.com, on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast, as always presented by Senta. Unfortunately, it is a silver linings edition as the Hornets fall in our nation's capital last night, 98-92. But one little caveat of this game compared to the one Tuesday in Miami is the fact that there was a little bit of a different starting five. Gordon Hayward did not play yesterday. He's listed as day-to-day with right foot discomfort. Very precautionary at this point. Don't want to just add any more of a workload out there onto it just for the sake of doing it, especially in preseason. So the number 2 overall pick, Brandon Miller, got the start at the 3 in the game yesterday. A couple of his stat lines, 26 minutes out there, very efficient, 4 of 8 shooting from the field. Just 1 of 4 beyond the arc, but made a lot of good decisions out there. 9.6 rebounds, 2 assists, a block, and a steal as well. And like I mentioned, he was a plus 13 in the plus minus. That is the second highest on the team in that regard, compared to the plus 17 that LaMelo Ball had. So Sam Perley, your just instant thoughts about what we've seen from Brandon Miller through the first two preseason games especially in a little bit of a heightened role last night as a starter out there with the big guns. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he belongs, and I think that's one of the best compliments you can give a rookie is you don't even you can't even tell he's a rookie. I mean, everything just looks so smooth. The game does not seem fast for him at all. You know, he makes plays on both ends, takes good shots. You know, he finds good shots and he hits them. He doesn't, uh, you know, one of the things I think Steve Clifford mentioned at the, at the media luncheon a couple weeks ago that has kind of stuck out with me with, you know, how he sees Brandon is he's not a normal lottery pick in the sense that a lot of these guys that come in have to create off the dribble all the time. They need the ball in their hands and he's not, he keeps using that word throwback player. He's finding ways to contribute off the ball. And when he does get the ball, he makes the right decision, whether it's a pass, whether it's a shot, whether it's a drive, this and that. I mean, he had a great chase down block too, after the, the dunk that got wiped away, unfortunately, but it just looks like he belongs. He looks, it looks, very smooth, very controlled, uh, almost effortless at times. It does not look like a guy that is playing in his second NBA preseason game that has never appeared in the regular season, too. So every game that goes by, I'm just getting more and more excited about Brandon and what kind of player he can become. I totally agree with you. We thought he played well last night. Here's what head coach Steve Clifford thought about his performance after last night's game. Good. Did a good job both ends. Um he made a lot of just uh, good, sound basketball plays, you know, smart player. I mean, he made some great plays, too, but he just, you know, he knows how to play, and everything he does out there makes sense. And again, this is probably nothing that we're going to expect or see from Brandon moving forward. This is about as normal as it's going to get. If you're going to get a spot start because Gordon Hayward is not in a lineup or not available, this is probably what you're going to see. You're going to see Brandon Miller get 26 minutes. Maybe you work him to 30 to 32 in a regular season game. Maybe he gets a little bit more run out there. Of course, he ended up only playing a handful of minutes with LaMelo Ball because LaMelo only played 15 last night. But when those two were out there on the floor as running mates, especially with P.J. Washington, that whole lineup just has a very strong effect about spreading the floor because all of a sudden out there, you got four guys that can shoot the three ball and can spread the defense out any which way. 
and from everything that we've heard about Mark Williams this offseason and hanging into the preseason is his three-point shot is almost there as well. So then all of a sudden, you got five guys that can spread the floor out there and anybody can be a perimeter threat moving forward. So only time will tell with the Mark stuff, of course. But Brandon Miller, bona fide shooter. We've already seen that here in the preseason. We saw that in Summer League as well. So this isn't anything that we're not going to see or expect or hope to see from Brandon once the regular season starts, I feel like. So again, I talked to Sam Farber about this on the broadcast yesterday. I'm going to reiterate this point here on the podcast today with you is head coach Steve Clifford doesn't play rookies just for the sake of playing rookies. They have to earn their playing time out there. And again, the biggest thing that you just said is he does not look out of place. You cannot ask much more for a guy. I understand there's a lot of pressure being a number two overall pick and a lot of expectations, but so far he's lived up to those expectations. Yeah, and this is something I think we've talked about a few times on the podcast is if you look at the current sort of collection of talent on this Hornets team, it's not indicative of a team that wound up with the second overall pick. I mean, they had so many injuries and absences last year, and then they ended up moving up in the lottery anyways after that. So Brandon's coming into such a good situation, I think. Obviously, he's very, very talented and, and, you know, immense potential through the roof, but he's going to come in and the Hornets are not going to ask him to score 25 or 30 points per game, or he's not going to be put in a situation where, hey, Brandon, we need you to score 25 or 30 points. Otherwise, we have no chance to win. He's going to play really well alongside guys that can set him up, like Lamelo, like Terry, uh, guys that can space the floor like P.J. Washington, like Gordon Hayward, like maybe Mark Williams eventually. So I think he's he's setting up. I don't think you could have asked for a better, at least initial situation for Brandon to be coming in in terms of expectations, who's going to be around him, what he's going to be asked to do. I think you're going to see that talent, but it's going to come along sort of like at a controlled pace, but also pretty quickly because I think he's going to pick things up really, really quick and be a big factor for this team this year. So uh, the more I watch him, the more I'm like, okay, wow. Like, I see it, and boy, are we lucky that we got this guy because he is talented on both ends. You see why NBA teams covet these six nine two two-way wings that can shoot, that can defend, that can play make, that can pass, that can rebound. Uh, it's just a really, really exciting addition to this roster. And again, just because we've referenced it a couple of times, we got to have you listen to this dunk that just did not count. Brandon Miller coming down the lane like a freight train. And again, I will preface this by saying God bless Daniel Gafford because he hung in there and took the charge. I'm not doing that, especially in a preseason game. It's usually a business decision, but he hung in there. He was tough about it. He took the charge, so I will give credit where credit's due. But here's how the Brandon Miller dunk that did not count sounded on the Hornets Radio Network last night. Get ahead pass. Jordan Poole leaves it for Kuzma. Pocket picked. Terry Rozier's got the takeaway. Hornets with numbers. Brandon Miller slicing the cup. Rises with the right hand and a facial on the defender. Who cares if they wave it off for charging? That is a highlight and a half. I couldn't agree more, and I'm going to water this down a lot, but I can't think of a dunk that was so good like that in a preseason game that did not count that had people buzzing like that. I don't know if there's one that came, comes to your mind, Sam Perley, but that one has got to be one of the best ones that I've seen in a while that did not count. Yeah, and I love how Sam didn't even let the uh, charge call slow him down. He was going to get that call in no matter what. He's got to get those. There's going to be some big highlights this year. You got an opportunity to call one, even if it's just for you know, a half second later gets wiped away. Uh, you got to make the most of it. So good work, Sam Farber. I can remember, and I can't remember what 
I remember the dunk. I don't remember the teams. I want to say it was maybe like somebody on the Heat or Anthony Edwards or somebody last year had just like one of the probably the best dunk of the season, just posterizing dunk, one-handed, very similar to Brandon, kind of coming from sort of the side and it got wiped away, and it's blanking my mind right now. It was um, Anthony Edwards, I remember that, because there was a lot of controversy that it should not have been a charge call, and they called it a charge. I, I remember that one exactly how you're re- recollecting it. Yeah, that one, if you're listening, go. I mean, that one was close, and you're like, uh, you know, it's that one was a little, I mean, with all, I, mean, I think the Gafford one was a little bit more of a charge in the sense you can argue whether you like the rule or not, and that's a whole different conversation with the block charge and you know, the circle and everything. I remember the, the Edwards one being a little bit more so like, oh, can we just count it? Because it's so cool and so explosive. But uh, Brandon has shown he's got the hops for this. And I think it won't be long before he throws down a similar dunk this season that will count that he'll also draw a foul on and not be charged with one. Only time will tell. But again, Sam Farber, a pro's pro, getting a high-level highlight call in there only in the second preseason game, even if it didn't count. One more segment to go on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We're going to talk about the latest roster moves that the Hornets have had in the last couple of days and what it means for the team and how it impacts some of the rotational minutes moving forward. We'll tell you about that next here on the HHC. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Rob Longo and Sam Purley of Hornets.com putting a button on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast, as always presented by Senta. And wanted to touch on some of the team news that came out over the last couple of days. Again, a little inside baseball. Sometimes we record these a little bit earlier in the day before some news drops. So just wanted to talk about this one. The Hornets, of course, announcing the other day that the team has waived forward slash center Kai Jones. He appeared in 67 games in his two seasons. Here with the Hornets, he averaged almost three points per game, two rebounds, in about nine minutes of action. So again, Hornets waving Kai Jones. It's pretty well documented what has gone on there, but we wanted to talk about kind of what this looks like from a team perspective moving forward, because when you look at the way that this roster is constructed, Sam, you take a look at the depth in the front court. Where do the Hornets kind of go from there? The center rotation has been basically set in stone. You have guys like Nick Richards and, of course, Mark Williams in that starting position right now. Moving forward, we've seen in times in the past, especially under James Borrego, where we saw P.J. Washington at the stretch five, and we've seen him go to the five when it's a little bit of a smaller lineup. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what this looks like for the team moving forward, and maybe is there a chance for some of these other guys that are on the roster right now currently, if they're able to make the team. Nate Mensa is a guy that is a center that has seen sparing minutes here in the first couple of preseason games, but he's still getting some run. Is that a guy that maybe we see a little bit more of moving forward? in preseason games three 
and four as he tries to fight for a roster spot? Do we just see more of the same old, same old with Mark Williams and Nick Richards and sparingly P.J. Washington at the five moving forward? So there's a little bit of a, a caveat here for the Hornets about what that rotation in the front court, especially at the center position, could look now with Kai Jones not being on the roster anymore. You know, I think it's pretty kind of clear right now that Mark and Nick are kind of cemented as your one-two center uh, pecking order. And like you said, you have P.J. Washington that could play some small ball center. It wasn't really something Steve Clifford really uh, tinkered with a lot last year, but he also didn't need to. They had Mason Plumley, They had Nick. Uh, and when they had Mark, I mean, they had almost a surplus of centers. That was like the one position group that stayed pretty healthy last year. So it wasn't like they really needed him to play that, but he certainly could. And then you can, again, move JT Thor to, you know, playing more power forward. So you've got some options. You know, I, I think it, it will need to be, you know, you're obviously going to look at and see what are your options to kind of fill that spot. Do you kind of let things play out in camp a little bit more? Do you kind of experiment with some different lineups and see if you can kind of fill this hole internally? Um, like you said, you wait till, you know, camps get flushed out around the league and guys get you know, other guys around the league don't make teams and you kind of see, you know, who's out there in terms of who got put on waivers for another team. So, I mean, there's a lot of different routes you can go. It's obviously kind of a uh, unique situation, but, you know, I think they've they've got, you know, kind of the the two guys rare at that five spot cemented and locked in. Um, and now it's just kind of about fortifying that depth moving forward. So a couple different routes they can go, but I think right now it's just kind of a wait and see and let's see how things play out. Great point. I didn't even think about it and shame on me for kind of forgetting about him a little bit, but JT Thor, is this a great opportunity for him to really kind of step up and see more minutes at the four if the Hornets decide to go kind of the smaller route? I mean, I'm not saying that JT Thor is small by any stretch of the imagination, but if you want to put out a lineup that's going to be quick and it's going to be a little bit smaller more or less, you're not looking to slow the game down, you're looking to speed it up a little bit. It feels like that would be a recipe for a success where you would put P.J. Washington at the five, you would have JT Thor at the four, and then you would have either maybe Gordon Hayward, Brandon Miller, depending on how the game's going, at the three, and then whatever the backcourt rotation looks like at that point of the game situation, let's just for the sake of the argument say LaMelo Baltero is here. Now you go back to that point that I had in the second segment, I believe it was. Maybe it was the first. I'm starting to lose track here, but either way, I mentioned how you have guys out there that can spread the floor and shoot from the perimeter. Now you've got five threats out there, and anybody can hit a three at any given moment at any given spot out there on the floor. So maybe this is an opportunity for JT Thor to maybe garner a couple of extra minutes out there as well. Yeah, I think it touches a little bit on the point that we said on Tuesday when we talked about James Booknight having the uh, you know meniscus surgically repaired. You know, you try not to look at this. I think the Hornets have a lot of depth. They have a lot of talent. I think they, you know, have obviously kind of reset and recharged after last year. So I hopefully, I think that you see this kind of as like less as a, you know, thing you have to fill and more of like, okay, this is an opportunity to do something with somebody that's here already or an opportunity for someone to step up to take these minutes or to show that they belong in the rotation too. So I feel like, you know, this team is deeper um, there's obviously more talent, and right now there's more health. Hopefully, it stays that way for uh, the long term. But you know, I, I think they're in good position right now to, you know, if they have stuff like this where they need to fill in a little bit of the depth, they can move guys around, and they've got a tough team. I mean, these guys have gotten better every single year. Every guy wants to play, and there's only going to be so many minutes in rotation. If you've got an opportunity of somebody can't play for whatever reason, go get those minutes and don't give them back because you've been playing so well. So. 
yeah, again, it, it's just little things right now. You're kind of plugging in different areas with moving guys around, but that's what preseason's for. And uh, I think the Hornets are in good hands with Steve Clifford and Hal Hill, you know, figure out how to maneuver the roster as we get ready for the opening night. Certainly a good problem to have when there's so much talent on the roster that you have to make these tough decisions. But right now, roster currently stands at 20 players. That's got to get whittled down to 15, and then you'll have your three two-way deals. Now there is a third two-way deal that teams can utilize now. So technically you'll be at an 18 at one point, but the roster right now is still at 20, so there still has to be some decisions made. Coming up in a couple of days, we will have a game preview of the Hornets taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're still not quite at everyday podcast, but we're going to take a little bit of a break and reset and recharge here as the Hornets get set to take on the Thunder on Sunday. But in the meantime, Sam Perley, thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everybody for tuning in as well. Again, we'll take a couple days off. We'll be back with you Sunday as we see the Hornets take on the Oklahoma City Thunder here at Spectrum Center. Get your tickets at Hornets.com. For Sam Perley, I'm Rob Longo saying so long. Thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of the HHC. We'll see you in a few days right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.